my podcast listeners, welcome to live coverage of the Exoswords event here on the Adamovic Show. With me is my fantastic co-host, friend, here as always, Dylan Gray. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, man. I am doing well. You know, we made it through another week in this crazy world. We're a little bit late recording this podcast. I've been super busy with everything, but I am so unbelievably happy to be talking about X of Swords today. So let's get right into Yo, it. Let's, let, let's just dig into it. And shout out to all of the creators who are on this project. Jonathan Hickman, the head of X, Teeny Howard, Leah Williams, Pepe Larraz, Lionel Francis, you, Carlos Gomez, Marcus Stowe. Shout out to all of you guys for making this such a wild Wild trip. We're going to be covering Excalibur 12, X-Men 12, Exosaurus Creation number 1, and X-Factor number 4. More issues yet to come, but hopefully we can light up some swords and candles and all of this fire inside. Without a doubt, let's talk about Excalibur first, shall we? It's it's the one of the two books, or one of the two of the six books that we haven't covered yet here on this podcast. We've covered X-Men, we've covered X-Force, we've covered Marauders. Uh, we've we've covered all of that, but we haven't gotten to Excalibur yet. And this book, at least from the onset, it's sort of the practice of Artini is trying to g- give us a light of of magical practice within the X universe. And and with that, we have Apocalypse, who is now sort of retconned as this magician sorcerer. It's weird because you often think of him as like the scientific dude who comes in and resurrects and all of this stuff. But no, instead we're having him not only dabble with whatever he's doing on Krakow, we're having him dabble in the magical aspects. And what I liked about this in, in the particular issue in issue 12 is that it's just a whole bunch of bat crazy stuff. And I'm talking de- death to a lot of... A lot of these mutant exter- is is crazy. What what do you think, man? It's it, it it blew my mind when I read the issue. Well, yeah, I. Well, you know, there was always something going on. You know, the whole theme really of Excalibur is like everyone's listening to Apocalypse because he knows best, but really he's pulling the strings and has his own agenda. You know, there's something he's trying to do there, and we don't really know well what it is until it comes to fruition, and we get to see that he's. His grandson, the Summoner, is actually a double agent himself. Because there's, there's a whole bunch of reminiscences, right, with, with Apocalypse and him pulling the strings. Because, of course, like, Apocalypse is going to be this weird evil agent. Like, he's Apocalypse! This guy has been touted as a destroyer of the universe of many different timelines. And this guy, like, this guy isn't any slouch. Like, this, we, we know that he's up to some weird whatever he's planning but man like the, what i what got to me i think at least as far as excalibur and later x-men go for the preludes was just we get this like we he's the grand grandfather of this weird eric cohen high summoner person and he, it just it just all comes together in like this these two preludes and he's getting ready for war and that got to me it's like holy crap apocalypse what the heck? No, totally, totally, totally. Um, and it's always been like watching that because I started really on X Men animated back in the day. And the joke is always if it's not who is it? It's Magneto. If it's not Magneto, it's Mister Sinister. If it's not Mister Sinister, guess who it is? It's Apocalypse. And now, now it seems it's that's what we think, right? It's gonna be Apocalypse. But 
Really, it's not, is it? Apocalypse is the one that's actually getting his strings pulled in this, which is was totally got me blindsided. I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, we. It's it's funny because you think about it, right? Apocalypse. It's like, whoa, like, who would have seen that coming, right? Like, he's the destroyer of many worlds, but here he's being played in as a hero, right? He saves Richter and Excalibur. He's this grandfather figure to this summoner. And now we get to see him in this sort of different light where instead of him destroying worlds, he's trying to save his own. He's trying to save Krakoa, but no, he gets his strings tugged in. And there's a lot of backstabbing too. It's crazy because, again, you think of apocalypse as this ultra antagonist that this obstacle where it's like oh my gosh he's gonna destroy everything but in hickman x-men he's helped or at least pushed for xavier's cause in plenty of the issues you go back to x-men number seven where he's this he's getting the mutants powers back to all of these people who want to go through the crucible and and now all of a sudden He's this full-pledged protagonist with an entire island behind him. It it rocks you when you find out that, holy crap, like, Apocalypse wasn't the bad guy? Like, he was good? He, he was trying to do all this stuff because he wanted to save his people? Like, it got to me. It, 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 it blew my mind. Because that's what we're thinking, right? The whole time. Here's Apocalypse. He's obviously the bad guy. He's pulling the strings for something right now. Something to make it so... He can get ahead, but no, what he's trying to get ahead with is ahead for Krakoa, ahead for mutant kind. And then you find out that he's been like this for centuries. Like, no matter what he's been doing, he's always been thinking about mutant kind and moving his um, race, for lack of a better word, forward. I agree. And it's, it's so weird, again, just to get to see Apocalypse in this different view, this different mindset. And what, what I appreciate actually from the prelude issues is see, well, A, getting, so, so, so for the listeners out there, in House of X and Powers of Ten, it's revealed that the mutants are all on this island called Kokoa. There's a whole bunch of gates, but also we find out in Powers of Ten, number four, and it later gets referenced in X-Men number 12, that Krakoa used to be a part of this larger land called Arako, and then it split off. But Apocalypse was there. That's the thing. Like, Apocalypse was there. He was fighting in the shed. He was with his children, or the the four horsemen, as he's often associated with, different reminiscences and interpretations of that, of course, over the years. It's crazy because... We have this sort of onset where it's like Apocalypse is here. He's he's overdoing doing his own thing. And then there's a whole history behind that whole history. It's like you get to see that sneak peek. And then behind the sneak peek, you get all of these beautiful drawings and flashbacks to what was, quote unquote, a better time for mutants. And other times where, like, you find out that Arako was under attack uh from a people called it it's it's crazy to me how like there's this whole fledged history behind a uh a sneak peek of what was going to come and it, it just opened my mind it was like what the heck like jonathan holy crap bro like this this is a history book in the making seriously he's uh he's going out of it and i'd like to point something out that was actually pointed out to me by someone i work with named uh michael erickson Hickman really likes redesigned costumes in all white. What is the deal with that? 
Like going back to Future Foundation, even you know what I'm saying he redesigned those all white. He's got a new Magneto, all white. He's got the Summoner, all white. I wonder if there's something to that. You know, I'm sure there's it's there's nothing like weird or or like racist about it. I'm just saying like he just really likes the aesthetic of like an all white costume. Like is it like kind of more angelic, more purity? I, I I wonder what the thought process behind that is because. That's that's exactly it. He has been make, remaking these costumes and everything. I'm surprised we're not seeing Apocalypse in all white, to be honest. You know what's crazy, too? They actually have a character, one of the ten sword bears. So there's ten sword bears of Arako. We actually have one that's literally called the White Sword, and he's in freaking white. It's, it's crazy. Like, Jonathan... I think there's also there's a part of the aesthetic where it's, it's part of why we have... I guess what what white featured featured consoles that are white or or different sort of schemes that are because when you look at it it's like okay is it is it, it maybe it's for the new I think part of it is just accepting the fact that it's just part of the new status quo that we all gotta adapt to it's part of the the future for like the future foundation that you mentioned getting Spidey and getting Reed Richards and Sue Storm all in white like that in part of I think that's part of what encompasses it. We have Magneto, right? This is part of his new future. He's in white, and he's he's labeled as this sort of pure hero to look at for 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 mutants or for all of Krakoa. In this, I think it's just awesome to see that. Well, a like I I like the consistency of it, and I I also like the deep div, div, uh or like him thinking like. The design aesthetic of it would look cool and would make sense as it, you know, it's part of the future. It's part of what we're fighting for and all that. It's it's awesome. I think it's cool. And that's a, that's an interesting point there. Like the white represents like like new and pure like purity and new like newness to this and and moving forward. That's that's a really interesting point you brought there. And honestly, we've got to die. Please, somebody add us and let us know if there is any kind of thing that Hickman has ever brought up about this, any kind of interview or tweet or anything, because I'm really interested to find out if this is something he just does in the back of his head, or if this is something that he does constantly as like a, a like a reason, like a re, like something that's of coming to fruition. Like, who knows? With this guy, it could be a whole big, long game plan. We might see at the end of this Dawn of X freaking uh, the Future Foundation coming back with new Avengers, you know? <laughs> There's a whole lot, man, that, that could go on within these issues. And it's so it's just fun to pick holes at it because Hickman does leave a lot. Then what I appreciate about Jonathan's work, I th- and, and just more so, is like, you, you have to... He, he makes you think. Not, like, I love writers that... Yeah, there are the fun ones that we can just, you know, kick back and enjoy. And like, But Hickman makes his readers... Think about what's on the pages because there's subtext to it or there's something that he's trying to tell with these characters or with the story. And speaking of with the all-white theme, you brought up the summoner. And, oh my gosh, we got to see the summoner right early on in X-Men in issue number two where we saw him and Apocalypse hugging. Now all of a sudden you find out that, oh my gosh... This guy is for an evil nation or evil island, and he literally betrays Apocalypse. Literally, like, just ravages him and just backstabs him. And it's like, oh my gosh. Like, is this happening? Like, it's, it's, it's bat-minded crazy. Like, this guy who you thought would help 
the island of Krakoa is now. Oh no, I'm I'm a I'm a bad guy. What are you What are you guys doing? It's crazy. Yeah, and I called it from the gates. I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast, but I had a bad feeling about that dude from the beginning. There was just something about him that just didn't sit well. And anyone related to Apocalypse is definitely a dirtbag in some way, shape, or form. Like we can all agree there. Like for sure. You know, so and him being his grandson, that's like an extra generation of dirt bagness, like growing in the genetics of him, you know, and to be able to summon demons like if the, the rap sheet was just the evidence against him being a dirt bag was just lining up. There was nothing we could really do there. We should have saw it coming. Honestly, it was actually amazing to me to see like how at one point I literally got tricked, you know, with that during that X-Men 12 issue, you know, you you. I literally got tricked. I thought, oh, yeah, no, this guy's cool. Like, he's going to go in the portal. He's going to help everything. And even, like, after, like, Banshee came back and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, he's hurt. What, 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 the, why didn't this su- the summoner, how is he? Is he hurt? Like, where is he at? And then, of course, he, the whole thing was a backstab. Backstabbed by who? The original, the original Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which I don't believe has ever truly been designed I might be wrong there, but I don't believe there's ever been any kind of continuity or canon for the original Four Horsemen. We've seen lots of horsemen, you know, through the years, but we've never seen the original, you know? First of all, let's give a huge shout out to Pepe Laraz for doing all of the designs on these characters because yes. holy crap, this man deserves Amazing. all the praise in the world for First of all, drawing beautifully. Like, I could literally... Give him an Oscar. He deserves an Oscar. Like, (laughs) it's not even the same, like, industry, but he just give the man an Oscar, for real. Hickman is doing all these crazy concepts, and Pepe brings everything here out to life. It's like you're looking at Apocalypse, talking to his children, because we find out later that the Apocalypse, or the horsemen of Apocalypse, are his actual blood-related children. And... You look at it and war is unique, death is unique, pestilence is unique, famine is unique. They've all got their weird Egyptian-like shapes and designs and it's like, oh my gosh. And yet not Egyptian. And yet still not Egyptian, but like Egyptian-esque. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely got the vibe of trying to be Egyptian, but at the same time, it's its own thing. It's all, and it's just, it's really cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at it and it's like... Because we've had again, we've had a lot of horsemen over the years. We even had one of the original five X Men, Warring Worthington, a horseman. Right? He he was death. He was Apocalypse's agent of death. And now we have a set canon where Apocalypse actually has four children, but they are all his horsemen. He they're all going to help him on his mission whatever that mission may be and man it's it's just it we've yeah you're right we i don't think we've ever had a set canon where we've said that oh this is what the horsemen actually look like instead of other people being agents for apocalypse now it's the children of apocalypse set in canon set in stone and these are his four i'm, I'm just shocked that we freaking War and the summoner turned on him in an instant. It made me care for Apocalypse. That's what I was most impressed by from from Jonathan and Tini. Shout out to them for making me care about Apocalypse. I, I didn't know that like for in real. 2020. 
I agree with you. I care. I cared about his safety. I cared about his health. What? What world am I living in? What kind of amazing writers are Teeny and 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 uh, Hickman to come up with this ability to make me care about someone who historically has been the biggest piece of shit ever? Like for real. Like say what you want about Magneto, he still had righteousness behind him. Whether it was good righteousness or bad, he still had. He wasn't evil, but Apocalypse, no. Eat chaotic, lawful, no, no, not chaotic. He's lawful evil, for sure. He, he wants power, he wants structure, and he wants to control it all. And he wants to squash everyone under his fist, because I am Apocalypse. Like, even back in the day, before they even understood his characters, in that Mignola book where Wolverine goes to the Savage Land, they didn't even know what his powers were. And they still wrote him as such a badass, you know? And that's, he, but, re, I digress. The point is, good work, guys. Good freaking work. But that's not the thing that blew me away, bro. What blew me away from this is the idea that if they die when they're in other world, they can't be fully resurrected. And now, they can't just go out there and fight a battle. They, but they also don't want them coming here to fight the battle. How are they going to get out of this, Dominic? What can this, they do? This is a great question. Speaking of other world, we actually so we so what Apocalypse does for context, what Apocalypse does is he gets Rockslide, Polaris, Monet, and, and a couple of other mutants to go into the external gate to figure out what the heck just happened. They're all intervened by Opaluna Saturnine, which we'll get into, but Rockslide gets atrociously murdered. At the hands of the summoner. And you know, a pro standard protocol, right? We've beaten death. We have five mutants who can literally resurrect and bring everybody back to life. So Richter comes back. And he's all back easy. And Fancer X says, hey, welcome back. Rockslide, on the other hand. And this is the most unfortunate part for me. And what Emma said about, about this was pretty striking, too. Rockslide gets resurrected. But it goes... Haywire. It goes haywire to the point where Charles's cerebral helmet malfunctions. The resurrection protocols are jacked. You figure out that if they're stuck in a non, in the regular world, whatever it may be, space. If they're stuck in other world and they die there, they lose their soul there too. It's part of like the energy. I think in X Men number eleven and X Men number twelve, the Summoner talks about how Rockslide has this like weird energy thing that which gives him his superpowers that all gets stuck there in other world and it's like oh my gosh how can you let this happen and what the heck is going on and it's like are they going to be just stuck in Araco or, or you know doing the, the the championship there and you know if they die in other world or whatever are they going to lose their lives too it's it's it just raises the stakes for everybody it, it does. It does. Because that's the whole thing I'm thinking. Like, who cares? Like, okay, they're going to fight some other... Like, I've seen previews for months. Like, oh, they're going to fight some other dimensional demonic dudes that have ridiculous powers. Who cares? They're going to get resurrected. Whatever. And he, he figured out a way to make characters not die. And then figured out a way to nerf that same thing. So, it, so things are actually on the line. You know, that's, I feel like, the biggest thing that Dragon Ball Z has had throughout the years. Because post-Cell Saga, you just knew, like, all they got to do is just charge up or, or, 
or train for a little bit longer and they're going to get to that next level and they're going to be able to to figure out and beat the bad guy no matter how powerful they are and i'm just like so what's on the line nothing's on the line and that's what i'm thinking they're going to fight these demons like who cares it doesn't matter you know what i'm saying but then no hickman nerves himself his, he nerves himself with the idea that they can't be resurrected and makes it work in the story and even counteracts it to the point like they actually try the resurrection and it works, but it doesn't work because it's not the same one. And it could even affect everyone and all of the data involved. Like, that's and that's where Hickman's like, you know what, this is magic for sure, but you know what, here's some science. Here's some science to your magic. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. It just raises the stakes because let's just say, because Logan is going to be one of the 10 sword bearers of Krakoa and he's going to participate in this tournament, right? Let's bring Logan over and, and this this is what's crazy too and hopefully when we cover Wolverine and when, when they go over that we can talk about him later but let's just say he goes into Otherworld and this guy who supposedly has all these regeneration and healing powers gets killed comes back like what logan are we gonna get are we gonna get a logan who's nearly the same are we gonna get like this evil there's just so much behind all of the re-nerfing and nerfing of the nerfing that we just (laughs) we just might as well like have a new it's it's crazy The, the stakes have gone up considerably and it's only four issues in there we still have four fifths of the way to go like this is far from done like it's raising the raising the level like unbelievable work guys it's just it just gets to me and it's like whoa like how do you guys do it yeah and and it it speaks to the writers you know because there's nothing wrong with making someone um unstoppable and powerful but you got to have some sort of chink in the armor you got to have some sort of weakness you got to have literally the achilles heel you have to or else who cares no one's going to feel as invested no one's going to want to read on no one's going to feel like whatever they're going to win again you know you watch those old you know shows back in there you always know at the end of the day the bad guys are going to lose the good guys are going to win the bad guys are going to go to jail the good guys are going to go party like that's always it but you got to be able to throw a wrench in it you have to there's nothing wrong with making people unbelievably powerful you can make someone so powerful that they could literally change reality but maybe they're allergic to peanuts you know yeah <laughs> like it's that, you know yeah you you, I think, as storytellers, and again, shout out to everybody on board here. You need to be able to push the story forward from what we had with the current Dawn of X stuff and put it through the next era. But you also need to be able to just make sure that, again, that your story is being told, but that you're taking the necessary steps to get to that next part of, next part of whatever these characters are going through. Like, how does this affect Professor X? How does this affect apocalypse they're doing a really good job with all of the cre or the creative material that jonathan gave them in the pages of house and powers of x and now they're just putting it on here and and making a show out of it like i'll buy tickets to watch this tournament and i want to see the characters go through some turmoils and changes and i think if you could point out a criticism in dawn of x or as or, or the post hawks pox and x of swords issues is that the plot was sort of slow. You were getting introduced, but now we actually have stakes. It's moving. The characters are 
progressing forward and they're just hitting a wall but you want to see them go through that wall and break it and that is hopefully what they're going to do in in the upcoming issues yeah the number one rule in any kind of comic book nerd genre for better word for it you gotta have a fight tournament you got to you know what I'm saying? You gotta have a fight tournament. They do it in every manga. They do it in every anime. They do it in great all the great comic books. And having an extra dimensional demonic tournament versus the X-Men where their lives are literally on the line. We are going to lose characters in this. People that we love are going to die. Like it's and they're going to be erased from canon. Or we're gonna get literally, they're gonna be rebooted. Because they can bring him back, but it's not going to be the same person. Look at Rockslide. They brought him back, and it's not Rockslide. But it is Rockslide. But it's not. And I'm literally quoting. I'm literally quoting dialogue. <laughs> it's crazy too. Like shout out to first of all, shout out to Leia Williams for doing awesome work with. I think the exchange between Emma Frost and Magneto talking about losing someone who was young, right? It, it like Rockslide. You know who like who cares? But it's. It's the fact that, you know, he's young, he's a growing member or, you know, a citizen of the the island, and he was going to be part of the next generation. And the fact that they lost somebody, or at least part of somebody, to this weird inner, weird interdimensional other place, it's... It's it's crazy how, like, we can have, again, all these stories... I'm, I'm just... I was just in shock. It was like... It's a, it's a question about morality that some writers, I guess, tend to gloss over. But the I just love the exchange between Magneto, Emma, and Charles where it's like, okay, so what if we actually do lose somebody? What does it mean for our island? What does it mean for our nation? And what does it mean setting the stage forward if we're just going to have more losses like this? Yeah, and let's also not forget about how, like, every... It's not just really the mutants. Like, if Kakoa falls and these demons come into the world they're they're gonna destroy everything they're gonna destroy everything like not just a couple things but everything so it's not just they're not just battling for mutant kind they're not just battling for a homo superior no they are battling for the entire earth of their dimension uh universe what i forget what what they earth do. 616 whatever regular i believe prime it's, marvel universe. yeah i think it's yeah, is it six? Do we even it's have one? Because I remember they. It's, it's six one six. It's six one six. Yeah. But they merged. They merged one six one six and six one six in Secret Wars. Yeah, right? yeah. So, the, so yeah, Jonathan Hickman Miles merged. Yeah. Ray, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. He merged it just for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Secret Wars was about, guys. It was a whole giant retcon so we could have the Ultimate Universe and the Prime Marvel Universe coincide with X of Swords. That's why. That's why he did That's it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Now, there's something else I want to bring up, and this is straight up a compliment to the entire X office. When I heard 22 parts, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, what are House, House and Powers of X, Hawks Pox for sure. That was 12, okay? So double that, I'm in. But then I started noticing, oh, they're going to jump around issues? How how is this gonna work? How are they gonna make any of this work? Like with I know like he's very everyone's real knit and tight and but like at the end of the day, how are they gonna make every single single issue work? And my god, they do. Besides the fact that they have, you know, the whole tournament aspect and like each character is gonna have their own like time in the spotlight to fight in the tournament. 
but they actually make it work by making Polaris the person that gets the prophecy so that they could tell people where to find the swords. They they use uh, X Factor to investigate stuff, you know, to see like what's going on with the portal and everything. Like they 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 bring like some they bring Beast in from X Force, and it's just it's so well orchestrated. It's unbelievable the amount of show running for for better word is done here and he's able to do something that i rarely have seen done in comics to be honest with you i mean sure you could say jeff johns did it but he only did that with three books and i believe he was only had one other writer that he was working with yeah tomasi yeah tomasi yeah tomasi so so yeah so just imagine having to work with like eight different writers you know uh six different writers i think it's like seven it's seven yeah yeah, seven different writers, and then still making everyone work together. It's it's a beautiful thing, and it really speaks highly, not to his writing, not to his big picture, but to his leadership skills as a showrunner. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, I will be surprised if he doesn't have a high-ranking position at Marvel by the end of this X-Men run. Like, for real. It's crazy. It's crazy to me how, like you said, because there are... 10 X-Books will have 11 by January, which is crazy to me. It's like 10 x but not just that. The fact that they're all interwoven telling one giant story. Like, these are all pieces to a part of a larger picture. And the fact that Jonathan, Teeny, Jerry Duggan, Ben Percy, and like all of these guys are in this office and they're saying, hey, this is how we're going to do things in one issue and the other. This is how we're going to all tell that story. And you can tell that they're ha- well. A, they're having fun with this, and not just that. There's a, there's a. I think there's a difference between having to do work and then doing the work for fun. You can clearly tell that like, whatever ideas they're whipping up with, and they're just cha- take, like taking a sip of beer and just you know chillaxing on on a nice summer night. But two, a- amen to literally every single person who's worked on this part. Like holy crap, guys, like. Just again, just with these three writers alone, with Hickman and Teeny and Leia Williams and what they had to bring to the table for the first couple of chapters in X of Swords, and you just bring again Polaris, Polaris and X Factor, beautiful work, beautiful monologue, and just her narrating over what's happening on the island of Krakoa and and how everything is literally being disfigured at their fingertips. It's it's just really great to see. As a person who loves Polaris, I love Lorna. It, it's it's awesome to see her have a have a role in this, like mentioning the swords, and then talking about what's happening on with the investigations and the council and all of that other stuff. It's it's a testament to again, like you said, with Jonathan's leadership in the X office and everybody just being on the same page. Like that takes guts. It takes a lot of skill to do, and it's it's no surprise. Like they're they're all this one giant machine working together. It's awesome. Definitely, definitely, and yeah, it's. I'm just so, so like. There's sometimes like when I read the Crucible, this issue seven of X Men. There was times where I literally put it down and just really fathomed like. How did he come up with this? How did he 
it like what's going on in his mind there's just so much going on like his mind's just constantly working and rapping and like there's no loose ends to anything and when you think there's a loose end it's not it's, he's got something planned for it and it's just so mind-blowing to see him do this and i'm wondering like what's going to be the fallout from this you know what what are we going to see what's going to happen what's what's the world going to deal with because this is like literally earth shattering kind of stuff here you know is there going to be fallout or some of these demons going to get off of Krakoa and go wreak havoc in Tokyo are they going to you know like what's going to happen can they use the regular portals what you know because these apoc these four horsemen they're mutants so what's stopping them from hopping into a regular ass gate which are all over Outer World, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, there are. It's open. Speaking of sword bearers, I have. Let's let's talk about that, okay? Because I, I because we have again a whole arsenal of X Men. Jonathan has all these toys at his disposal. There's so many awesome characters. Logan is going to be a part of it as for like sure. Logan is my. I think he's my third, second, third favorite, depending on the day of the week. Second favorite mutant. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited to see what he's going to be bringing to the table. Uh, Betsy is going to be in the tournament. Storm is actually is also going to be in the tournament. We got to see her shade over in. So if you guys didn't know, Opal Luna Saturnine, she's the rightful ruler of the other world. She has these tarot cards in his hand, and she is, I guess, prophesying or saying, "Hey, I'm going to turn this card over. We're going to see what the future has to hold, and I'm going to hold this tournament, and we're going to see what happens." If so, the Ten of Swords card is. So you have these all these tarot cards. The Ten of Swords is it symbolizes as these well first off we got 10 sword bearers but it also symbolized backstabbing there's a lot of bitterness within this card there is something that's going to happen between these 10 people who are wielding these blades of destruction because these are actual blades of destruction and it, it, it's ominous. It's like, what the heck is going to happen? Well, yeah, Logan, Storm, Betsy. I think Cypher's a part of it. Magneto, Apocalypse, even though, well, that... Xavier. Xavier's Xavier. got a sword. Ah, oh, man. There's just so much. Teeny said on Twitter, and I actually applaud her for doing this, because she's bringing the fantasy romp over it, and I actually have a lot of fun with the tournament stuff. Like, if this was her idea, shout out to her for bringing the cards in. But, man... If her, she said on Twitter that she's gonna all that all she's gonna be doing in the event is giving out as many swords to as many X Men as she can. And hey, imagine seeing freaking bald Xavier just like running around <laughs> with a sword. It'd be the craziest yes. thing on planet Earth. I want to see. I want to see Xavier straight with his bald head, like straight Shaolin monked out. You know, what I'm saying in the orange with a fat with a big fat uh, broadsword, just. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's what I want to see. I already know for a fact because I've seen it on a cover. Armor is going to have a sword, which you already know. One of my favorites. I'm so good to see her there. Logan, obviously. Um, it's theorized in one of the infographics that Gorgon is going to be. A, oh yeah, no, Gorgon's going to be. Uh, no, Gorgon's going to be a main player in this in this thing too. I mean, it's why wouldn't he? Right? Why wouldn't he wields he? two, you know? not one, two. Deadly swords that we already saw him That's whip right. out in X-Men number four. And I want to see him whip out more of them. <laughs> you hear that, Hickman? Dominic wants to see Gorgon whip it out. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, magic. 
Magic gonna be in this magic, event too. Obviously, uh, obviously, Magic. She is like the number one sword bearer at at her disposal. You know what? I'm actually going to take a break for all this. We didn't. I actually want to talk about this specifically before we cover the actual book. But Cable, as you guys know. He is the son of Scott Summers, aka Cyclops. He travels through time, but now he's sort of a bit of time is place, and he's an actual kid now. He's not old springy man jumping through one dimension and the other. No, and and we've seen him already in X Men, but he's this, you know, he's 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 actually Scott and Jean's like son now. Like they have a family on Krakoa. I actually appreciate in this in the fact that a. I like it when there's, like, familial relationships in comics. It gives time for, like, characters to breathe and just, like, let them be themselves. It also gives me, like, a picture of, like, just how life is in the summer house when Scott and Jean are just, you know, doing their thing. They're freaking drinking coffee over on the moon. Could have coddled, could have done whatever, but here they are, you know, they're having father-mother time. And then, you know, their son comes over. He's like, yo, guys, something happened to Apocalypse. And we're all gonna. I actually appreciate this version of Cable for a. I like again. I, I like Scott as a father and are seeing him as a dad and getting that chance to now, and b. It gives a different perspective of Cable. Like I, I like we we think again. We think about Cable as this old gruffy '90s character, literally Rob Liefeldian or however you want to say it. But now the fact that he's like this sprawnier little kid who's having his own adventures, it's really just cool to see him just. Have just try to have fun and have adventures, whether it's with his mom and dad or whether it's by himself. It's it's stuff that it's those little things that I appreciate, and it's also the fact that Cyclops is gonna have stuff to do in this event. As a, as a resident lover, I I don't even want to say lover, resident fanboy of Scott Summers, I want to see him do stuff, and I'm glad that he gets to do it, and I'm glad he gets to do it with his son. You you know it's really interesting to see that my friend that I consider the Boy Scout is favorite character is the Boy Scout of all Boy Scouts. I mean Scott Summers is such a Boy Scout. Even Superman's like, bruh, chill, okay. <laughs> and of course he's like, yes, this. But I have to. I, it's a very interesting point because yeah, we've never really seen him in the hardcore father role, and now the kind of Boy Scoutness, the uh, trying to look good in front of everyone kind of and doing the right thing is even more important. You know what I'm saying? Because he gets to, he has, a, he has to show be lead by example. He has to make these people, not just like good people and smart people and capable people. No, he has to make them leaders. He has to make, which they are, they are straight up leaders. They run their own units. Um, they, they are, they're called upon when, when Krakoa needs them in a drop of a hat and that's what is expected of the summer kids. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, it's it's again, it's it's just part of well, a because Scott and Gene, I guess, are whatever back together since Hawkspox, and they have their you know they're they're well back in again familial roles, right? Scott gets to be the father that he never got the chance to in most of any other settings. Like this guy, man, talk about a life. <laughs> He's gone through so much stuff as. A as an X Man as a person, uh, the fact that he, again he gets his chance to be a dad and to lead his own adventures while providing the next generation as the captain commander of Krakoa, being the actual Boy Scout that he is, and 
again, running off with Gene and Cable as they're trying to figure out what the heck they're going to be doing. It's it's something, again, it's something that I appreciate because you don't get those moments whenever you, like all this action is happening and, and Scott's just like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to be a good, decent, loving husband and father to my kid and I'll just do whatever we need to do. Uh, and I also appreciate the fact that, like, again, Cable is just sprawling. He's running around, and he he just he they go off. Of, you know what? I think you are going to appreciate this because we got a cameo of Sword, the actual space station. Your girl Abigail Brand is going to have to make an appearance sometime later. Yeah, I have to. I'm not going to lie. I'm literally not going to lie. I was sitting on my couch. And then I saw them doing all the, the fun stuff with the sword and, and like turning on everything. And I'm just like, oh, cool. I And then I saw, boom, the sword. And not only, sir, is sword the space station operation, but dude, it is in the shape of a sword. Okay? Like when they said X of swords, they meant X of swords. Like we are going to see them swords, bruh. And so... Many of them, and they even turned my favorite space station into a literal sword, and it's named Sword. There's so much meta commentary here, and I love it. <laughs> I love the fact that you're exuding this this like inner fanboyish energy. I'm gonna need it when Abigail Brand comes back to the X oh. Mythos. I, oh, we when we when Abigail shows up, bro. You already look. When Abigail shows up and her and Laura and Armor are all on the same page, you I will literally, you will see tears. I will be crying because of how much joy is in my life right there to see those three together. I'm so freaking excited. Whedon, that was one of the best things you could have done for nerd culture was creating, like really diving deep into uh, developing sword and brand and also freaking giving us armor. So I tip my hat to you, sir. My, my, I don't literally have a hat on. It's a, it's a figurative hat, but you get the, you get the sentiment. And I'm posing oh no, as well, like I'm doing. One hundred percent. No, it's. Yeah, I, 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 again, this, this event has me hyped up for so many reasons. But the fact that they actually had a sword, like Cable sticks in the freaking sword into the mechanism or whatever that Scott tells him to put him into. There's, there's a lot of cute paneling in here, but he, he freaking puts him or sticks that sword into the chamber and then it literally lights up your fit like in your favorite space station in the marvel universe and it's big and it's in all its glory it's like oh my gosh it's like a world opens up to you a lot of worlds opened up here and it's not just other world i'm so glad that there's a lot of foundational set pieces for upcoming x events and i guess x stories to be told within this era but I'm also appreciative of the fact that, again, as as a person who likes Scott Summers, he's gonna he's he, even though he might not he might might not wield a sword, he's still gonna be doing stuff. I guess with yeah, I guess with Cable. But yeah, it's it's just awesome to see good art and and being hyped up for whatever the heck this is. <laughs> well, we don't know. We do we know? We don't know if no. Cyclops is going to have a sword. He could straight up have a have, have a energy sword, you know, that he shoots out of his face. You know, who knows? The, anything and everything is on the table. And it, just because they're not in a tournament 
doesn't mean he's, they're not going to have swords. Like, that's what this whole thing is about. It's about swords. You know what I'm saying? That's what this battle is about. It's about swords. It's not about shooting guns or arrows or overwhelming. It's about one-on-one champions fighting for their collective worlds. And that's and that's it. And that's that's something that's really cool. That's such a like an ancient way of dealing with things, you know? That back in the day, they used to be like, hey, look, we could just, uh, we can fight, you know? Thousands and thousands could die, or you know, just two of us. Just my champion versus your champion, you know? Imagine if they did that nowadays. If Like, yeah, no, Biden has to fight Trump for the presidency. That, by the way, that would be the lamest fight of all time. Two old-ass men just trying to swing age. Like, come on. What is going on there? You know? They shouldn't... <laughs> Oh man, for imagine? real, for real, <laughs> and that's a whole other conversation. It definitely, it definitely, ma- definitely would have made the the Trump Hillary uh, election a lot more interesting. Oh yeah, honestly, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, politics aside, I think Hillary could take Trump, like in a fist fight. That's in all a fist I'm saying. Fight. In a fist fight. In a fist fight. For interesting sure. take. <laughs> all right, yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh She's my got God. those heaters, yeah. bro. She's got those heaters. <laughs> Speaking of heaters. Speaking of heaters, I actually have a couple more questions for you before we wrap this up. Okay, so we, so I'm assuming, what do you think, um, what do you think Cyclops, or, or what do you think Scott and Gene are going to be doing this event? If they're not holding swords, what do you think they're going to be? Because they're clearly, you know, they're stranded with Cable on this space station, and they, they might not even get to the tournament. They might just be stuck there with Cable figure, figuring out what the heck to do. Now, Cable might be one of the ten, but... I don't know. I don't know what Scott and Gene are. What do you think they're going to be doing? Well, if anything, if they don't end up getting like their own swords, maybe we will see them literally plunge the sword space station into a freaking demon uh, coming out of the portal. Like, what if that's the final blow to the summoner? Just the space station just crashing into this fool's chest. You know what I'm saying? With that creepy little white boy, like, what's going on with that dude with his weird emo makeup and, like, his weird games and, ugh. I, I want to, he deserves a space station He does. On him. He does. Stabbing oh, yeah, his own grandfather. I mean, come come on. Apocalypse or not, that's messed up. Yeah, know? no, it is. It's like, this is your family member, bro. Like, he's he's a part of the family. Like, I, I, get, I get it. He's, like, you might not like him, but you don't need to go out of your way to stab the dude in the chest along with all of his other it's like set an example what how dare you (laughs) set an example for the scott sets good examples as as the leader of the x-men as the captain commander of krakoa and i will reiterate that every single time okay you know what that that's a whole nother tangent but yeah it's it's like i want to see i just want to see scott doing something there's actually a teaser in there's an X-Men number 16 solicit. It's the fall to Exoswords or one of the couple of X-Books that have the fallout. It says that Scott's going to make a huge decision that is literally going to change the course of the island and that there's no going back. That's literally what the solicit says. And I'm wondering, is he going to be the one to either close the portals? Is he going to end the tournament? What is he going to do? Like, there's, there's just, again, there's a whole bunch of possibilities that are here. And the fact that we don't know and have to theorize and think, it, it just makes me blow my mind. It's like, they're keeping this under tabs. I don't know. I just want to see Psych do, well, I don't know, dude. There's a lot, there's a lot that Psych can do in this, even if it's For not sure. really and I, th- 
I think they're. I think you know. I think the main thing is they're going to be doing stuff on that space station, and you know, we do know because of the solicits and because Ewing has has dropped all the hints in the world <laughs> that we're going to be seeing an actual literal sword series. So it it won't be. It's not going to be strange that maybe what they're going to be doing is kind of setting up sword essentially. You know, setting up what's next. You know, uh, that could be. That could be a possibility. Did you notice in X Factor number four that we got to see Moira for the first time since Powers of Ten number six? We got a Moira cameo. Yes. She's in nowhere, right? She's or in her no she? place. She's in her no place that no one knows of except for Xavier and Magneto, if I recall correctly. I was like, all right, what's she doing here? <laughs> That's so what, weird. Where is she doing? Where is she doing here? You know? That's what I want to know. Like <laughs> <laughs> Where is she? Where what? is she? What what's going on? What's what's going on, Moira? What you what you doing? I want to know there? what her thoughts on this thing are. Is she secretly telling Xavier and Magneto to like join or postpone or do something during the tournament? Like I want to know what she thinks about this whole apocalyptic no pun intended tournament. Like I want to know what she's up to and what she's she's literally thinking about the sword bearers. Yeah, and what I'm I'm wondering, do you, okay, so this is something that's really interesting. Did you notice how chill Mystique seemed to be about everything? She, yeah, she's just she seemed very chill, and we do know it is a fact that she knows what the future holds. She does know her her wife is a future is a precog. She knows the future. That's why she's not allowed there. And she's just so chill. She's like, yeah, we might see the end of Newton Kind and the world for that matter. She's just like, chill about it. Like, everyone else is kind of, even Magneto's like, oh shit. Oh shit. Like, this is bad. This is bad. Someone took out Apocalypse. Like, someone's able to literally stab this fool. Like, that's not okay. We're, we're, we're doomed. And she's like, eh, you know, whatevs. You know, she knows yeah. that they're going to, they're going to make it out of it. Or, there, she could know that one or two people in this room, whether it could be Xavier, could be Magneto, could be Emma for all I know, that one of them might not even make it out alive and come to the end. Like, it's possible. Like, <sighs> could you imagine, okay, could you imagine just Hickman building up the badassery and the bragginess of Magneto in this era and then just murdering him the first chance he gets? Like, straight up, like, welcome we are in R.R. Martin generation, you know? We are in a post-R.R. Martin world, and all of our favorite characters are going to die. And this is my happen. This is my ha He did it with Rockslide. Rockslide's not anyone's, I would say, favorite character. But he's nobody's hated character. You know no. what I mean? Yeah, so I, like, I, I don't think... He's kind of like softballing, softballing the idea that we are going to lose someone, and we need to start getting used to that. Because it's fact. There is no way... Out of all ten of those fights, they're going to win every single one of them. We are going to see the death and the permanent death of characters. Now, whether or not they resurrect them and they become someone completely different, that's another story. You know what I'm saying? But for right now, we're just going to see, hey, what are they doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the crazy part. You, I literally don't know what's going to happen. This is, this is, again, this is a testament to the X office and how able they were get to 
get people hyped up for this event while keeping as much of it under wraps as possible. That's something you have to, you know, shout out, give a shout out to them for. It's it's just it's just plain and simple as that. I don't know if like let's just say Cipher comes back, or, like let's just say Cipher dies. Okay, let's just say Cipher dies in Otherworld. He loses his tournament. What happens to him? How is gonna who is gonna communicate with Krakoa and help the communication of the island in all of this? Like, what if what if Storm dies? What if th- there's just so much that could happen in the next eighteen issues? The whole world just opens up with the possibilities of how everything is going to get down. And the whole future of the X-Men is going to change because this event literally has the potential to be one of the best Marvel crossovers ever. It's crazy. It is. Hands down. Well, I don't know about the best Marvel crossover of all time, but definitely one of the, this will be the greatest X-Men crossover to date for sure. Man, and can we talk about that mystique part for a second? Because, man, I like early on even even before Rockslide was resurrected. Man, she just felt so nonchalant in that council meeting. Emma was concerned. Sebastian was concerned. Exodus and Sinister is concerned. Jean's like, "Where's Scott? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get him so I could so he can lead some people and figure out what the heck's going on." Like Xavier's Mystique's is all just like, and it's waiting. She's waiting, and she just seems just so. She just doesn't care. It's like, it's like everything is going on in the world, and she and she is just in this trance of mind, saying, "Hey, whatever happens is going to happen." I don't know if it's exactly. going to be building for her like character to just you know come out and betray them in some part of the lifeline, or if it's an actual. <laughs> Why are you guys like so afraid? You guys are all gonna come out. I actually legit don't know what it is. Like that's yeah. that's the no. There, she's up to something. She's up to something. She's definitely. We know that she's going to screw them over because her wife can't be there. Her wife's not allowed there, and she hates Moira. And she knows that there's something that's gonna go completely wrong here. And I, it's I, it's what as we've said since the beginning. I can't wait to see what Hickman does next. He, like, we literally should consider changing this podcast to what's Hickman going to do next? What's Hickman going to do? <laughs> but oh wait, my gosh. there's more. <laughs> oh, man, there's always more. And the fact that we still have a long way to go and that there's a bunch of stuff that's already happened. Man, why can't the, they can't, why can't they just release out the hardcover, give us an extra copy and be like, yo, this is what's going to happen, like, we the, the crazy thing too again we don't have all of the Krakoan sword bearers and we still don't have all of the Arakoan sword bearers here in the tournament and they're still building that up but we already have part of Krakoa already on the footsteps and you know what this is also so weird too it's it, this is a minor note it's weird seeing Charles both without his cerebro helmet and walking around it just like I was looking at it and I was like I'm used to Charles in the wheelchair if he's going to be bald and I guess doing whatever he does. And it's like, why is he? No, is it, 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 I don't know. I, I, I was I, I was like, it was it was just so weird seeing him without the helmet and in that all black tight suit that he's wearing. It's it, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> for real, for real. 
and it's like he's almost naked. Like, like he might as well just have his dick hanging out at that point. You know, like, whoa, 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 cover, cover your brain, sir. Cover your brain. There's children about. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, see, it's like either put on the helmet or get in a wheelchair. It's it, like, at least to make it be, make sense to me. Or like, it, it hurts my brain. It really does. It's like, it, it my mind's playing a trick on me. It's like, I'm, I've, I've already gotten used to the cerebral look. You know, it's been a year since. House of X came out, and it's like, all right, I'm used to it now. Okay, he's running around in this weird, whenever we get to see him. But now, all of a sudden, he's he's bald, and, and he's walking, and he's talking with Magneto. I actually liked the line. He's not just talking to it, Magneto, he's working with Magneto, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no! It's always fun seeing those two actually team up because I think they just when they're on the same page, it's pretty awesome stuff. Like I'm, I'm gonna admit, like it's awesome seeing these two work together, being actual decent friends with each other. I, I also like Mag. You know what? Shout out again to Leia Williams and Jonathan Hickman for making Magneto badass. He just looked at Apocalypse while he was healing in the healing gardens or whatever. He was like, your great experiment failed. We're here because of you. Like, look what happened. We lost one of our citizens. And you're over here in bed. And it's like, man. <laughs> it's fun seeing Magneto smack down and talk some, talk some spit yeah. out. Like, it's it's crazy. I, I, I fully he, appreciate. <laughs> he's basically like, guess what, Apocalypse? Use a bitch. And you're dumb bitch on top of that. And you got screwed over by demons. Big surprise. Thank you for nothing. I'm glad Thank that you, you tried to help us, but you you made it worse. Because you're Apocalypse. And you should know better than to go with your gut. Because your gut is evil. Shout out to, again, Jonathan Hickman, Leia Williams, and Teeny Howard for bringing out the best of the best in these first couple of issues of Exos Swords. And with that, I'd like to thank all of our amazing peers and hosts at the Grand Geek Gathering. You guys need to go check their material out. Oh my gosh. All the podcasts, all the articles for your geeky needs. Please go over. You guys will not be disappointed one bit in any of their content. You guys will be living it up. Like you, I'm talking about awesomeness here. Like, please go check over them at thegrandgeekgathering.com. Please, first thing is what you guys got to do after you finish listening to our podcast. And with that, i also like to thank my awesome co-host here, Mr. Dylan Gray, for being, again, just an awesome co-host, Talking X-Men. It's always a blast. I don't need to say it. Like, Talking X-Men is fun. Hanging out with you is cooler. And yes, a major shout out to Hickman and the entire X-Office. You guys are unbelievable. And I can't wait to see what you guys do next. And with that... Professor is signing off. I will see you guys in the next installment of the Exosword's live coverage.